Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How are you today? Good. How are you? I mean... I'm good. You got real, like, deadly serious. I didn't know if we're going to talk about the deep stuff that's going on, or we're just going to be like, good, everything's great. Well, you, your arm's in a sling. Let's talk about my arm being in a sling. I had uh, previously stated on this podcast that I had shoulder ailments. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, those have come to a head. Yeah. I had arthroscopic surgery on a slap tear in my labrum. And I uh, had a banker procedure done for all you orthopedic surgeons out there. Three anchors drilled right into my glenoid humeral bone. It's it's gross. Yeah, I watched yeah. a YouTube video of what goes on on the inside, like under, like they pump your shoulder full of fluids, and they pumped you full of extra. Yeah, probably. so that's something that was weird and not uh, not a normal thing that happens after a surgery. So usually they pump a fl- bunch of fluid in there so they can see what they're doing and their camera works and the lights and all that. So it's not just a bunch of bloody gore. Yeah, sorry, this is a family podcast. Can't yes. say bloody gore. Well, you can say it, but. Can't show. Oh, look at this! <laughs> it's, it's gross enough with the saline. Anyway, I gained 15 pounds after my surgery, and it's not because I was just pigging out. Nice. Way, yeah, I don't. That's the fastest I've ever gained 15 pounds. I set a record from working out, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I got huge. You should have seen my right arm was gigantic. Yeah, uh, it was a little concerning. I called the doctor, and they're like, "That shouldn't be happening." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't think so." Yeah, one of those. Oh, that's weird. Call, call <laughs> us if you die. Uh, that would be really bad. Yeah, they're like, I don't believe you. That's really what they said. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad that you're on the mend, and hopefully you'll be able to throw baseball 100 miles an hour here in the next couple of yeah, weeks. Rookie of the year style, yeah. I'm hoping for. Funky butt loving. Um, and just so you all know out there, I <laughs> did he just say funky butt loving? If you haven't seen Rookie of the Year, watch it. Watch it with your kids. It's great. Gary Busey. Yes, <laughs> it's, absolutely. It's good. My swelling went down. I wanted to tell everybody that. Like, it dropped significantly. I'm still a little puffy, but not 15 pounds puffy. Hey, I'm 15 pounds puffy, and I don't uh, have any excuses, so. You know what a good way to get rid of water weight is, Caleb? Drinking alcohol. Hey, we're going to do that today. But before we do, another good news. Oh, okay. Uh, so if you follow the podcast, if you've listened in the past, you know about our good friend who has is on the mend. Yeah. We can say on the mend Yes, now. we can. He is uh, uh, from COVID pneumonia. Yeah. It's been, what, five, six weeks that he's been in the hospital. Yeah, it has. And uh, by many people's definition, a miraculous recovery. But by a correct definition, not miraculous. Well, let's not go into that. But <laughs> it feels like a miracle. But it's pretty freaking awesome. And yeah. low probabilities were overcome. We are so grateful. Well, we got to go see him today. Yeah. Which we're was great. Kind of on a high. And he was able to communicate with us. His eyes were open, not in a creepy way like the last <laughs> time that we saw him. Yeah. Um, so it, it, that uh, lifted my spirits. You got to talk with him. I mean, and that's great. I, I noticed on the, uh, the iPod that's sitting in there uh, that's playing some of his favorite music and things like that, that the old-fashioned finances on there as well. So I'd like to think that he's listening to that and we're helping with the recovery. <laughs> I'd like to think that. I'd like too. to think that, but it's probably not true. So, so that's good news. Uh, other good news. I mean, Christmas is coming up, and yeah. uh, we're drinking Christmas cocktails. Let's dive right in, Jason. Dive, Caleb. This, I'm not familiar with the type of thing I'm drinking. This beautiful drink. Uh, it, I mean, look at the presentation there. 
It's sharp. I mean, that's a smart drink, right? Um, this one is called a cranberry bourbon cocktail. Uh, you guessed that there's cranberry and bourbon. Oh. But that's not all. Okay. So well, let's dive into this. Uh, you know, unlike a lot of the cocktails that we talk about, there's no rich history on this or, or anything that I can... This this is a pretty good punch that somebody came up with. So, all right. Uh, I, a couple cooks is the website I pulled this off of. So kudos to them. Uh, the cranberry bourbon cocktail is comprised of, well, one and a half ounces of bourbon. All right. An ounce of sweet or red vermouth. Um, two ounces of orange juice. One ounce of unsweetened, make sure it's unsweetened if you're making this at home, cranberry juice. If it's sweetened, it's probably just sweeter, though. Well, there's a half ounce of simple syrup. All right. So that might be too uh, too sweet. Never, uh, never has anything been too sweet. <laughs> and then what really makes this is the uh, the rosemary sprig. Absolutely. That's what really puts off those pine needly aromas that just make you think of a freshly cut down christmas tree it really does it looks like christmas it smells like christmas jason does it taste like christmas i'd say yes yes it does one of the many flavors of christmas that rosemary and cranberry really pop through it really what kind um, of bourbon did you use for this i used heaven hill um it's kind of a bottom shelf but not a bad bourbon by any means a lower proof here here are my impressions of this drink so first of all, if you're looking for something fun to bring to a Christmas party, you know, you can bring these ingredients and, and mix up a big punch bowl of it, you know. Yeah, I uh, can I, see that. This, I, this, this is a punch like a drink, punch. right? Yeah. Uh, I think this would be a pretty popular drink at a Christmas party. I think this would be a winner. I think for folks that aren't used to drinking cocktails, for the most part, I think they would like this. There's plenty of sweetness. It doesn't taste like you're drinking liquor, really, in my opinion. You, it's there. Yeah. You There is some alcohol, but it is... It's like a great Christmas punch. Yeah. I I think it's pretty good. Uh, my personal impressions of this, though, Jason, are, quite frankly, I put bottom shelf bourbon in here because there's a lot of stuff going on around mm-hmm. it. In my opinion, it does get a little bit lost in there. You do know that there's bourbon in there if you taste it. But I think going with some high-proof bourbon, like a... a Pretty high proof bourbon in there, even like an Evan Williams bottled in bond. I guess that's not high proof. That's but a hundred proof. proof. It's a little. Hear me out. That's twenty proof more than what's in here. I, I yeah. feel like that would bring up the. It would amp it up a little bit. It'd what be a little if, warmer. And when you think of Christmas, I think of spices. Yeah. And when you drink rye whiskey, you get a lot of those baking spices. Yeah. What if there was a high proof rye in here? I, I think that would be a good idea, and we should uh, we should experiment with that. Jason. I think we should. I I just think you get a little more. You get like a natural cinnamon heat from a, a high rye. <laughs> <I think. laughs> uh, I, I like it. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I. I think I'd put it this way: if uh, if you're entertaining and you don't have a lot of cocktail drinkers or bourbon folk there, maybe stick with a, a low proof, uh, maybe bottom shelf bourbon. And again, bottom shelf doesn't mean that it's going to be bad bourbon either, right. by oh, the way. No. But if you're doing this with some cocktail junkies or maybe some bourbon bourbon fans, hey, tomorrow night at bourbon night, maybe we ought to try this. We can make. A I, bowl I think of you it. could. We could. I think you could get a little bit uh, inventive. Maybe throw a high proof rye in there. Or even just a just a hotter whiskey, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good. I like it. It's, Either way, uh, it's worth your time. Yeah, I, it's just fun. The rosemary, man. That's that's it, something. It smells like we're cutting down Christmas trees in here. That's it really, really does. With the cranberry and the bourbon, it smells. <laughs> it's making me happy. Yeah. Hey, you know what is not making me happy? Hearing the latest inflation numbers, Jason. Oh yeah. Wow. 
We're going to dive into the finance topic here today, which is inflation. Yeah, today we're going to talk about inflation. It's on everybody's lips right now because it has uh, it has jumped at historic rates. Yeah. We, we have had a period over the last 10 years, really since the, more than that, since yeah. the Great Recession of historically low And interest inflation. rates were declining, even leading into that. Yeah. So... Uh, inflation rates also were kind of going in that direction. So I, I think we could say pretty safely 20 years of low if, yeah. if no inflation, maybe. Right. So is it's back. So now it's in the news. Yeah. So people are talking about it. Our clients are talking about it. Uh, it's been uh, brought up as a reason for stock market fluctuations right now. So I think it's another a good thing reason that, to be scared. Yeah. It's a, well, fear, fear <laughs> yeah. leads on those headlines, right? Or what's the, there's a common turn of phrase. If it bleeds, it leads. Wow. Right? Fear that's, sells. That's new to me. Uh, there's a Don Henley song um, called... Uh, Hotel California. No, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I think it's Morning News. This is when he was in his solo career. So a little more 80s, a little more synthy. Yeah. Um, Which I could do without. Yeah. So there's... there's a, I, wish, I wish I could... We should just play that right now. Copyright. Oh. Copyright. And I'm going to take your word for it. But uh, inflation is, honestly, uh, our last round of appointments, I think a lot of folks had questions. And inflation was one of the one of the topics that people wanted to talk about. What does it mean, though? Okay. So first, Jason, why don't we talk a little bit about what inflation is? And then we'll get into briefly. This isn't going to be a super deep dive or anything. But let's get into the impact that that has uh, on our listeners, on our clients, right? Yes. You look like you have something you want to say. I, Dirty Laundry is the name of the song. <laughs> okay. Dirty Laundry by Don Henley. Anyway, uh, inflation is bad news, and it would have made that song. What is inflation, Caleb? Inflation, uh, I think, in a really ba- a basic definition would be the cost of goods rising over time you know when when you talk to the older generation or anybody yeah i remember hearing all the time my grandpa always used to say i remember when a candy bar was a nickel yeah right um so inflation can be a good thing um over time if it's controlled but essentially that i guess that's the easiest way to explain it is it's the fact that the cost of goods goes up over time Mm -hmm. now reasons for that being a good thing wages go up over time and all these other elements go up over time along with it typically but generally when you hear the word inflation that's a bad thing right because how does it impact you or your wallet directly jason it's a loss of purchasing power the money that you have doesn't buy as much stuff which Mm -hmm. means your money's not worth as much yeah that's that's really a good way to explain it i think so we've seen relatively low, if any, inflation over the last, let's say, 15 years, right? This is something that's, uh, for probably a, a good portion of our listeners, something that they've never had to deal with, really, right? Yeah, I think for a lot of your like primary earning years here, if it's been the last 20 years, you haven't really been concerned with inflation. Right. So, uh, and one thing I'll say for another subset of our listeners, they probably remember something called hyperinflation, too. Yeah, if you're a little bit older than uh, Caleb and I, yeah. You, you might remember a time good. when a mortgage was in the teens. Uh, yes, yeah, sure, CDs were 10 or 12%, and that sounds great. I, right? I remember back working at the bank, I know yeah. you heard it too. You'd have oh, people yeah. coming in that just kept doing CDs over and over again. That's where a lot of their savings was because it was safe, and they would always complain. And, and while we were at the bank, it was like 
It was the lowest CD right. rates of all time. CD rates were lower than checking account <laughs> rates at that point in time. And these people are like, I remember when I could get 17% on a certificate of deposit. You know what I always said to those folks? That in. You you said that. You say you remember, but guess what? I can tell you where you were. You were mortgaged to the gills. And I understand that's why you're yelling at me about it right now. (laughs) Because you paid a 17% mortgage, right? And and you cussed the whole way to the bank. And now that you actually have some savings that you can put into a CD, it basically costs you money to invest in a CD, right? Yeah, that that really hurt those people on yeah. both ends because they're like, finally, once I get out of debt, I'm gonna invest. I'm in gonna a get 17%. me one of those seventeen percent CDs. <laughs> hey, then, Jason, if there was a seventeen percent CD, would you do it right now? As long as they would let me. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, even if it was an eight percent, right? Then that yeah. was more realistic. Sure, you could get those, mm-hmm. and you should have locked that in for as long as possible. If they let you do it for twenty years, boy, in hindsight. That would have been a great, great move. What's funny is nobody was locking in. No, their rates were only going to go up. <laughs> I, I guess I, I, I had a funny anal- or a, f- a funny story, but it would uh, it'd be too revealing as far as where I worked and, and <laughs> the, the, the company. I won't go there. I, just some funny stories about clients having an opportunity to lock in some of those rates for the mm-hmm. long term, and they didn't because we always think that rates are going to go up, right? Yeah. But along with that, usually, well, inflation right? So let, let's talk a little bit about how inflation is measured, Jason. There, there's really a couple of ways. Oh, yeah. So the, the number one most popular measurement of inflation is the consumer price index, CPI. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're listening to the news or you're listening to some political talking head, they're going to reference CPI probably. And it's, it's, a, just a, um, it's a measure of prices that most consumers purchase out of pocket. Yeah. And, and it does lean a lot more towards urban consumers. Yeah. So I, I have in front of me from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, CPI numbers, the most recent readings. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, we talked about no to low inflation for the last 15 years. Well, all of a sudden, Jason, uh, year over year, these numbers are from November. We have a, uh, on all items considered food, energy, other things, durable goods, um, 6.8% inflation year over year. So I know that's this sounds really simple, but what does that mean, Jason? What does six point eight percent inflation mean to our listeners year over year? It means that stuff is six point eight percent more expensive than it was on last average. Year. Yeah. On average. And that, that does take a lot of things into consideration. Like, for example, energy prices. Yeah. Right now are up an extraordinary amount compared 30, to average. Thirty three point uh point three percent. Yeah, 30, so if it, if you paid ten bucks for fuel, mm-hmm. now you're paying thirteen, right? Is that yeah. right? Thirty-three. Some carry the one. I'm sorry, I didn't really. You're paying thirty-three percent more. We did this once before, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> um, backing out food and energy, though, Jason, it's still four point nine percent. Okay, so yeah. everything is more expensive now. It, we're not going to get political. <laughs> how how do things become all of a sudden overnight? Let's take energy out of it. 5% more expensive. By the way, I know a lot of people want to look at it minus food and energy, but what do you spend a lot of your money on? That's where most of of the, like if you are, it doesn't matter how much money you make. Everyone will spend roughly the same amount on Mm -hmm. food and energy for the most part. I mean, if you have a, if you have a lot more, like if you have to heat your mansion, that costs more than heating your, uh, your condo. Mm -hmm. I get that. But everybody's buying that. And really the less, less wealthy people are more impacted by inflation. Sure. So what was the question? The question is what what's causing this? Yeah, yeah. How is it that all of a sudden now uh, things cost on average six point eight percent more? Well, it's complicated, Caleb. Uh, but really, this is a simple rule of economics. It's supply and demand for the most part. Sure. If you have 
too much money out there chasing a few amount of goods, mm-hmm. you're going to get inflation. You get a price increase. That's supply and demand. That's a what's his face. I know supply and demand, but... Goodness, who did that? He basically phrased it the way that I just phrased it. I okay. stole it from him. And now I can't remember his name to credit him. Adam Smith More, invented yeah, economics, yeah, yeah. so we'll just say it was him. <laughs> More dollars chasing less goods. So let's let's talk about what's happened here over the last 18 months, two years. COVID. COVID mm-hmm. shut everything down. We, we actually shut down. Production stopped, right? So yeah. what does that mean when production stops? Well, we're not making as many goods to sell, right? But then something else happened. We... Pumped a bunch of money into the economy. Yeah, people didn't need to work so much. They had a bunch of money. If you were working, still, you had more money than ever, probably. Personal savings rates skyrocket. And you couldn't spend it, by the way. <laughs> you weren't allowed to go have fun, so you sat on your money. Um, so when you did get out there to spend your money, everyone else was also trying to buy that thing. Let's so, remember toilet paper. <laughs> well, yeah. But the recipe was there. Supply yeah. was shut down. Lower supply. We pumped money into the system. More dollars chasing less goods. Yep. Should anybody be surprised that we're talking about 6.8% inflation? I don't think so. No, that really seems, when you really boil it down, that seems like a simplistic explanation. It's really what it is. Supply chain uh, is a lot more complicated than that. Sure. Um, The actual, like, we didn't even talk about the Fed and monetary policy and modern monetary And we won't here. We will not. (laughs) But those things all do play into inflationary measures. Yes. But what you just said is the simplest way to look at it. It is, I think, having the largest driving impact on why we have inflation right now, yeah. simple supply and demand, um, and how we got there is is a, is a debate to have uh, some other time. Yeah, and, and and that debate is how do you control inflation when it gets out of out of control like right. it is, and that's where the Fed comes in and generally screws things up. <laughs> we love you, the Fed. <laughs> Raising interest rates, right? Tightening up the money supply so it's harder to go out and borrow money, right? So you're spending less money. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it they've really... Got, what, they've got some measures, and our libertarian friends are cringing right now that there is a central bank at all. And Yeah, but it encourages saving rather than spending, and we're in, in a situation now where we're encouraging spending like crazy to, uh, to get we, the economy hot, to get it heating up. But at some point when it overheats, we're looking at inflation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, no ways around it. The debate comes in, you know, as far as, well, when things get <laughs> moving again, is, is this just temporary... Well, we printed a whole lot of money over the last 18 months. But anyway, that, I guess that's not the spirit of this episode. You want to prognosticate? Is, no. Is inflation transitory? Uh, no, we're not going to get into that here because it? we only have 10 minutes left in this podcast. Do you think it's going to stick around, Caleb? And for how long? I think a lot of it depends on how much more money we spend or print. Lawyer answer. <laughs> depends. <laughs> it does. There are so many variables, it's hard to track. But let's go ahead and... and, and apply this yeah. to everyone's situation. I think it's really important or on this. We want to, we want to provide some value to the people that are listening and, uh, and our clients that are listening. So yeah. how is inflation impacting us? Well, let's put it this way. Um, there's not a lot we can do about inflation, Joe and Jane consumer, right? What can we really do? Nothing. Now, how can we help ourselves in times of inflation? Well, Historically speaking, I guess we know that that bank accounts aren't going to do it. CDs aren't going to do it. We just heard that, you know, the CPI is up 6.8% year over year. Didn't even get into PCE, the uh, personal uh, consumption expenditure, uh, which is typically lower, but still around 5%. But we're not even sniffing 5% at the bank on CDs or, or anything like that, right? Yeah. Or government bonds or anything. And we're not, we're not going to. Well, I think it's important to point out, like you've you settled these, but these are like combating inflation. Yeah. How do I protect my money? Because if it's in... Right now, if people have safe 
yeah. safe investments, the cash in the savings account. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. And that's perfect because what do people do in times like this? We get scared yeah. and we save. Yeah. We say, well, and, and Stuff's a lot of people have not save. spent the money that was printed. Absolutely. Because they're worried. So is a savings account the right place to put it, Jason? Not well, during inflation. No. <laughs> let's, let's just say you got 0% on your bank account over the last year. Yeah, that's Because that's about it, right? <laughs> so 6.8% inflation means what? What did you accomplish with that savings account? You lost 6.8%. It's a, a guaranteed loss. FDIC insured. You're <laughs> but it's guaranteed. Yeah. Now, if my clients, if your clients got a statement saying that we lost 6.8%, probably not real happy about that. No, no. It's right? a bummer. But you can see it. Inflation is like right. an invisible loss. Yes. But you, it's really there. It's the silent killer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's important for people to realize because we are tempted to go safe and go to cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's the exact wrong thing to do. So what what should people do? And, and I mean, that's not just cash cash either. We're talking about if you had bonds sure. that have a low yield right now, they're getting hammered because rates are about to go up. Yeah. Your bonds are worthless and they're paying nothing. Yeah. Um, we talked about this on a previous episode, but quite simply, what we're looking at here is if you have a mm-hmm. low yielding bond and rates go up and new bonds are issued, issued at a higher yield, for someone to come along and buy your bond, it's not very attractive when you're locked into a low, low rate. You right? have to discount it. Um, so our timer just went off. We just went <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> I want to make sure we're staying on task here. So uh, by the way, new format here. Uh, we're incorporating or we're a try. toying with incorporating <laughs> video. So these we are going to be a different episode yeah. and it failed horribly. Okay. That was a pretty important episode. We had a lot to talk about. <laughs> so is this, but I've got that timer looking at me, right? Wow. You speed it up, man. So we got about six or seven minutes talk to kind of get into faster. what we can do. Um, Bank accounts, that's not where you want to be in times of inflation. So okay. I have always said over over time, stocks are the best hedge for inflation, right? Uh, so when we look at what the markets, stock markets overall returns have been going back to 1914, whatever, whatever numbers you have in front of you, it, I don't know, 8 9%, somewhere in that range, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the sad thing to say is if 6.8% inflation was the norm, if that stayed, well, we're really not coming out very far ahead in a very aggressive portfolio. But does right. that mean that you bury your money in the backyard or put it into money market accounts? No, you can't do that. There's some other places to go. Look at what else is going on. Uh, real estate is through the roof, right? Um, so you got to look at some other options. I don't know. Maybe maybe real estate, farmland. Uh, th- those are the types of things that in inflationary periods, the value really goes up. Yeah. Up, well, right? if you can, if you can, your dollar is worth less. If you can time it, it right, way. a lot of commodities too, because those are the things sure. that prices are rising on. Like you, we just said energy is up oh, yeah. 33%. Look at fuel. Yep. Well, if you got out ahead of it, mm-hmm. energy was a good place to have been. The problem with, with that is it's trying to time an individual asset, which we never we recommend. Don't do. So for the average person out there, the best way to hedge against, against inflation is to be invested in the market for the long term. Mm-hmm. The market usually beats inflation over time. Yeah. Um, you can get out there and get really speculative and buy gold. Everybody touts gold. When inflation pops up, gold commercials go through yeah. the roof because it's traditionally been a hedge against inflation, not because it's... Uh, but they haven't stopped over the last 15 years. No, right? they still... Well, because they're like, any moment now, yeah. this stock market bubble is going to burst. That's the problem with people who've been on the sidelines in gold for the last 15 years. It hasn't worked out real well. I'll tell you what, it's about. it could be about to pay off it for could. them, though. It could. Uh, because inflation... Gold 
historically has done awesome in inflation. We've covered a lot of ground since episode two, haven't we, we sure Jason? Have. Now we're at inflation, but <laughs> but gold, like people like gold as an investment to diversify because it's not correlated with stocks, yeah. not correlated with bonds, which just means that it doesn't move. It's not related to them. When their prices move, gold does not care. It's its own thing. Mm-hmm. We've we've done a whole episode on gold about why we we don't think it's a great primary investment. But in inflationary periods, it goes up. But it's just the same with a lot of commodities. Yeah. After you take out oil uh, and gold and some of those things, what you're left with, the best performing assets... Orange juice. Oh, sorry. Once you take those out... <laughs> Trading places. You're, just, sorry. you're, like, you're like, oh, orange, orange juice. juice. <laughs> this is good in here, in this drink. Now, by the way, I didn't know there was orange juice in it. And it surprised me when you said it. And I was like, oh, definitely orange juice. I taste it. Yeah. Uh, once you take these commodities out, stocks, uh, and diversifying in stocks, stonks, stocks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, growth stocks, high quality stocks like growth blue chip stock stocks. mutual funds. Yes, they do well in inflationary <laughs> periods. And the great thing is, they also do well over non-inflationary periods, like the last fifteen the long, years, <laughs> and over the long term anyway. I, that's usually where I recommend. Now, your you know your situation may be fact dependent and blah blah blah, but. It's not time for the disclosures yet. Sorry. <laughs> Usually that's a good place to go, but I think it's an interesting uh, psychological But also never with all of your see. assets. None of these things that we've ever talked about have we said, yep, no, that's where you need to go. Gold, 100%. all of it. percent. Now. Yes, mortgage your house yeah. <laughs> by gold is something we have never said. Never. never or will. will. Right. That's right. Anything else important here in the next three or four minutes, Jason, that we should cover? <laughs> I... Uh, let's let's go ahead and distill it down for our listeners, let's. Caleb. Inflation. It's real. It's here. And, you know, it may be sticking around. Yeah. I think that it is realistic to say it's going to be a lot more of a factor than it has been in the last 20 years. Which has been nil. Yeah. So it's been it's exponentially going to be more of a problem now. So what are, <laughs> what are some of the results we can see being in an inflationary period now? What can people expect to experience paying more for the same thing grumbling when you leave the grocery store more expensive bread (laughs) more your fuel being more expensive yeah your wages probably not (laughs) (laughs) i wish if you're on social security you're about to get a raise for the first time in a long time in a long time however if you look at your medicare premiums too i'm not well the government giveth and the government taketh away oh it's a 15 percent doesn't it depend on your income yeah yeah but it's not good folks i think on average 15 percent 16 percent It's not getting any cheaper anytime soon. Um, Now, there is a chance that it cools down a little bit, right? Um, There's a lot of talk that this is kind of just, well, you know, we're we're getting things rolling again. And once we get things rolling again, we'll be okay. But I don't know. We printed a whole lot of money over the last 18 months, Jason. So, sorry. I know we're distilling it down. Distill it down, Caleb. Okay, so that's what people can expect to have happen. What can people do about it? Don't sit on too much cash. I mean, uh, again, your, your initial... Uh, response to this is, I don't know, things are going to get scary out there. Let's start hoarding cash. If you want to safely, effectively, insured, insuredly, insuredly, lose money, then yeah, stick your money in a bank account. That's right. Or a coffee can or under your mattress, but your purchasing power is suffering every year. Hey, a couple of years of 6.8%, 6.8%. Remember the compounding episode? Compound losses. Works against you too, right? Yeah. I think... um, this this period, people want to go safe. I would say having cash is good. We preach the same thing 
every episode. So I'm tying this into the inflation episode. And it's really the hierarchy of savings. It's also how much cash is too much. Remember the cash episode? You need cash for emergencies. You need cash for sinking funds. There are things that cash is good for. But just having it as an investment is a pretty bad idea usually. Yeah. And if you're a long-term saver, investor, and you're planning for retirement, let's be quite honest here. The game plan doesn't change. That's right. right. You got more Um, than 10 years. We got... A boring, same recipe to sell you. Our advice is going to be pretty boring. So, all right. Well, I think that was a fun show. I think it's about time to close out the tab, wouldn't you say? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) All right. Thanks for having a drink with us this week, folks. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want to address on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with all of the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's BlueJayFG.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers. Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.